Hey everyone, we're so glad that you've tuned in for this message today. I believe God gave me a word for you and I believe the word of God is going to bring you strength. I believe God's going to bring someone comfort and take someone to a new level. I want you to watch this message that the Lord gave me and at the end, I'm gonna come back and we're gonna pray for you. God bless you, enjoy this word. Okay, we're gonna do something really spiritual. We're gonna play a game. So if you're a mom, you've gotta stay standing. If you're not, you can sit down. Let all the beautiful moms stand up in the house. Why are you doing this, Pastor Devin? Because we need to laugh a little bit. We moms are too serious, and I've had a stressful morning trying to get to church and preach, so we need to laugh. We're going to play a game called Never Have I Ever Moms Edition. This is going to be great, so moms don't go anywhere. Let me tell you how we play this game. Take five minutes. going to be the best laugh of our day. So you stand up, and I'm going to say the statement, Never Have I Ever which means I haven't ever done it, okay? Never have I ever. And I'll follow that up by something that maybe I have done as a mom. And if you have done that before, you have to sit down, okay? But if you never have ever done that as a mom, you get to stay standing. Got it? No lying. No lying in the building. The Holy Ghost is here for this game. All right, so let's just get started. <laughs> Never have I ever dropped off my kids at school with my PJs still on. I knew that would get most of you. I knew that would take care of you. Ooh, this one will be fun. Never have I ever actually gone mama bear on another child who was bullying my kid. Where did the moms go? <laughs> Never have I ever stuck my hand in the toilet to retrieve an item my child dropped in. Oh, yes. I'm so glad I'm not alone today because these are actually things I've done. Ooh, this one's so sad. Never have I ever been inwardly happy when I saw another mom was a hot mess or her house was a hot mess. Uh-huh. We just get excited. We're like, yes, I am not the only one. Okay, never have I ever let my kids participate in public indecency by taking a natural potty break when I thought the restrooms were too nasty. Okay, that's fine. Just because I've done it, I guess it doesn't mean everybody has. Never have I ever worn clothes from the floor that I did a smell test on because I did not have time to do laundry. Maybe I did that today. I'm just kidding. Not, not on Sundays. Not on Sundays. Never have I ever hid inside a room of my house so I could get something done and my kids couldn't find me. Okay, I got one more. Never have I ever eaten my kids' leftover food because I was starving and I didn't care. Yeah, okay, I'm going to get y'all. Don't worry. We're almost there. Hmm, some of these I kind of am having anxiety about telling on myself now. Never have I ever attempted to go to the restroom while holding my child. <laughs> Maybe in a public restaurant. Okay. 
Never have I ever sounded just like my own mother to my children. Uh Uh-huh, sit down, sit down. Never have I ever forgot my children's names or ages. (laughs) Okay, I got a few left. I think I'm going to get them now. Never have I ever gone into my children's bedroom and watched them sleep at night because I loved them. Yeah. Go ahead, sit down. (laughs) Who are my remaining moms? Maybe just one, two. Wave your hands at me. How did you escape this? How did you escape this? They deserve a prize today. We have to laugh as moms. Listen, I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit in heaven really get a kick out of moms because there are so many things we do that we think no one knows, but God does. (laughs) There are so many things we do when our children are infants. We hope they never remember, but God does. And I have enjoyed the journey of motherhood and have been so excited, so blessed to start all over. I think Kevin and I are parenting as grandparent parents right now. It's so odd. And wherever you are in the journey of motherhood, I just want you to know the grace of the Holy Spirit is with you. Whether you are trying to do 4 a.m. feedings and stay awake or whether you're preparing with great anxiety to move your son to Nashville for college, Kevin and I get it and the Holy Spirit gets it. But I want to say this, and I hope you feel it in this house. There are no greater leaders in this nation than the mothers sitting in this room. No greater leaders. We may give a lot of attention to presidents and politicians, and John Maxwell may write some really good stuff, but there's nobody influencing this nation and its leaders more than the mothers who have their hands on them. And the quicker our culture recognizes that you are the leaders of our nation, the quicker we'll see change, amen? So I honor you today, and I honor what you're doing in your house. And I had to, I had to give such a nice introduction because when I say my title, you're gonna get offended with me. But I lost the bet. Kevin and I have been fighting since yesterday of who's gonna have to preach today. I think it's so unfair on Mother's Day. I'm stressing over a sermon, but I'm excited, and I lost, so I'm preaching. So maybe I'm bitter, and it's reflected in my title. We're going to go to Second Chronicles chapter 22, if you'll stand with me for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to preach a scandalous message titled, Throw Mama from the Train. <laughs> Throw Mama from the Train. You may be really nervous right now because your mom is sitting next to you, but you're going to get it in just a minute. We're going to all rejoice because today we're going to throw Mama from the Train. This title comes from a 1987 comedy, a movie. Actually, Kevin thinks it's hilarious. I've never personally watched. Danny DeVito's in it, some other dudes, really funny. It's about this guy who has this controlling, overbearing mother. It's not a murder mystery. You can breathe. She doesn't die. But he does consider throwing her from the train to rid his life of her controlling, overbearing nature. And it may sound like a funny movie, but we're about to find it in Scripture. And we're about to find it in the culture all around us. And today, I believe the answer is in this room for our sons and daughters. Second Chronicles chapter 22, I'm going to read, starting with verse 1. Then the inhabitants of Jerusalem made Ahaziah, his youngest son, king in his place. For the raiders who came with the 
Arabians into the camp had killed all the older sons. So Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, reigned. Ahaziah was 42 years old when he became king, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Athaliah, the granddaughter of Omri. He also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother advised him to do wickedly. He also walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother advised him to do wickedly. If you'll pray for me, I need grace today. I'm going to pray for you, and I believe the Lord wants to do something awesome in this room. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we need you today. I need you. And I just lean on your strength and your anointing right now. And Holy Spirit, you're already present in this room. You're hovering over this room, over every seat, down every aisle. You are with us. You are speaking to us today. I thank you that miracles have already happened in this room. Peace has already been distributed in this room. Heavy burdens have already been lifted in this room. But God, you still have just a little more to do on this Mother's Day. And so I pray right now, Father, you'll anoint my words. You'll anoint me to preach. Let me step out of myself and into the office you have given me. And Holy Spirit, use my mouth to speak your word. And I pray for the people who are listening. Father, let the seed go forth on good soil. May our spirits be alert and attentive. May our spiritual ears be open. And Father, I pray every hindrance, every distraction, everything the enemy crafted to block the receiving of your word, we just just rebuke it right now in the name of Jesus. We arrest it by the Spirit, and we declare there's a receptivity in this room, that this word will bear fruit, that the Holy Spirit will show up in this room today and change homes and change lives, and let there be a roar and a sound that comes from this house that shifts this nation, Father. We believe it can happen on this Mother's Day, and we give you glory and praise for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Throw mama from the train. What in the world on Mother's Day? Because that little book you're going to get in almost every sermon I think I've ever preached on Mother's Day has focused on the incredible kingdom, world-changing mothers throughout Scripture. And if I had time to unpack them all, we'd be here all day because this gospel is a mother-friendly gospel. The gospel and the kingdom um, embrace the role of motherhood. And if you look closely in Scripture, every major shift that happened for God's people started somewhere in the heart of an obedient, crazy, radical mother. Every king that sat on a throne, every prophet, every judge from Samson and Josiah and all, all of those wonderful world changers were put into a position to change the world because of a mama. Even Jesus couldn't come into Jerusalem until a mama donkey led her colt for him to ride on. So if you look closely at the scriptures, you'll find the picture of a mother everywhere a nation is delivered. And it's so important to recognize that because on a Mother's Day sermon, I think it's why I get so nervous about them. It's really easy for the men to disconnect and the daughters to disconnect and people to think, well, it's just all about mothers. But I'm here to tell you, mothers are nothing more than a symbol and a physical representation of the body of Christ, of the bride of Christ herself. Eve was the mother of all living and it's, she's found in Genesis. And then all the way in the book of Revelation, you're going to find the church as a mother on a birthing 
pedestal that Jezebel's trying to kill her seed. So when you see these stories about kingdom mothers, if you have a spiritual lens, you can look at the layer of the message God is saying to the church. Even in the little virgin mother Mary, which I got to preach on Friday night in Athens, the overshadowing of her, the Holy Spirit invading her. We think the Holy Spirit only came on the day of Pentecost, but that same invasion, the dunamis power of God actually happened over the Virgin Mary when she conceived Jesus and she represents the church. And when we let the Holy Spirit in, everything that comes out of us is testified to be of the Lord. And so on this Mother's Day, I want to preach a sermon for mothers, but it's really for the bride of Christ. So nobody has a pass card to disconnect in the house today. And I've always focused on those awesome kingdom mothers. And I was shocked when I heard this title. Kevin actually preached a message called Throw Mama from the Train. Oh my goodness, 10 years ago now. And I couldn't believe he preached it. And I was praying and preparing for this and I just heard that come through my spirit and even when I was arguing with Kevin at Cracker Barrel saying I cannot preach on Mother's Day he said well if you don't preach I'm going to preach throw mama from the train and I about hit the floor because that's exactly what I had in my notebook to preach and I knew this was my assignment today I'm going to focus excuse me on a mom who used her influence in a negative way And the spirit of this mother can be seen throughout our culture. And unfortunately, I can see where the tentacles of the influence of this mother has reached even into the ranks of the church and to the body of Christ. And I'm here to tell you, the spirit of Athaliah is alive and well in this nation. And for a while, the church focused solely on Jezebel. And I'm here to tell you, the spirit of Jezebel still tries to operate on the church. And there's been so many messages preached on the spirit of Jezebel and how she controlled her husband Ahab. And and that's what a spirit of Jezebel will always do. It never wants to expose itself in leadership. It just wants to get under a weak leader and control through manipulation and, and try to push its agenda through someone else. And when you're dealing with the spirit of Jezebel, never look at the head, look at the right hand of the head. And Jezebel's not always a woman either. And we always focused on Jezebel, and and we began to learn how to address Jezebel and rebuke Jezebel and bind Jezebel. But what we don't realize in Scripture is Jezebel and Ahab had a child. And, And as generational progression happens in the spirit, we say anointing increases, and I believe it does. But I also believe that when we leave giants alive in one generation, they just get bigger and badder for the next generation. And so where Jezebel showed us how to control and manipulate by using her husband, Athaliah does the unthinkable. Not only is she the daughter of a king and then the wife of a king and the mother of a king, she learns to manipulate just like her mother, but then she goes one step beyond what we ever thought the spirit of Jezebel could do. And Athaliah finds herself in a position right here in 2 Chronicles 22 where her husband is gone and her son becomes king. She goes from wife queen to queen mother and it's never enough. Spirit of Jezebel, spirit of Athaliah, they're never satisfied. It's never enough. And then her son dies. And Athaliah goes beyond her mother's wickedness and she actually turns upon the royal seed. Her own children's children. 
the most wicked grandmother you'll ever hear in scripture. She had such a thirst for control and such a thirst for authority. She turned on her son's children who would have been the competition for her throne. I feel it welling up in me and I just don't have time to preach it about the competition in our nation and the competition between generations and the competition even in the church that we see the next generation as a threat instead of an opportunity. And instead of, of, of Athaliah seeing her grandchildren as an opportunity to reflect her leadership and to go and do bigger and better, instead of her seeing herself as a floor to, and, instead of a ceiling to them, Athaliah saw her seed as a threat. And it breaks my heart to see this type of competition even enter into the church. A spirit of competition even in the church between generations where mothers and fathers, uh, spiritual mothers and fathers in the church feel threatened by the rising up of young people and young people not honoring the generation before them. And where you see that working, you're seeing the spirit of Athaliah at work. And so when Athaliah didn't know how to work with her seed, she just decided to assassinate her seed. She just decided to silence her seed. And Athaliah goes into the house of her son and orders the assassination of all of the children. But in that moment, and it always happens, God always has a remnant. I I just don't want you to ever think the enemy has the final say. I don't care what storm is going on in your life or how bad things may seem over your house or what what darkness may be in the culture around us. I'm just here to tell you, I've about had it with the church glorifying the devil. He may have a season that he wreaks havoc, but it's only to set you up for greater glory. If the enemy ever has authority, it's only because the Lord has backed up and nodded his head and said, why don't you do a little work for me? Why don't you make it look really bad so I get more glory? Anything the devil does is only to work for the plan of God. And so maybe you're a mom or a dad in here today and you're in the middle of a storm you're in the middle of a bad situation. God has said something and everything in your house is going in the opposite direction. I want you to remember this story today. God always has the final say. His word will never return void. And no matter how big and bad the devil thinks he is, God will always outsmart and outmove the enemy. So when Athaliah is trying to assassinate all the children, There's little auntie, her niece, her son's sister. It's not actually her birth daughter, but they were brother and sister through multiple wives. The auntie of Joash decided to step in. She was a godly individual in the middle of a wicked family. And and even in the layers of this story, we see a phenomenal spirit of adoption taking over. We see a child who is the victim of a godless home, a child who is the victim of a very wicked upbringing. And that very family has determined to destroy him. But there's this godly woman. It's not even her child. Scripture doesn't even paint a picture that Jehoshaphat even had children. But something in her, the God in her, saw something special in Joash, saw something special in one of the children that was destined to be assassinated. It is just like the story of Moses and Jacobin. And I got to teach in Athens on Friday about the importance of mothers not just having sight but having vision. 
Jacobin looked at Moses. I, I would like to think that Jacobin saved Moses because Moses, because she loved him or because she wasn't afraid of Pharaoh. But that's not actually the reason the scripture gives us. The Bible lets us know when Jacobin birthed Moses, it said she looked at him and she saw he was a goodly child, meaning there was something about him that let her know he was different. And that keen spiritual vision made something wake up in her. It made fear die and courage arise. And it caused her to do something to defy the culture around her. What she saw in Moses made her risk her own life. And that little mother, Jacobin, who is not named till later in scripture, hid him away and saved a nation. It's the same thing with Jehoshaphat. She is looking at all of the, the, nie the nieces and nephews that she has, and she sees Joash, and something in her grabs that spirit of adoption, and she grabs that baby up. She takes his wet nurse, and she hides them away in the temple because Jehoshaphat was married to the high priest. It's so amazing to see the commonalities of Scripture and how the Lord will shift a culture. But he took a little child that really didn't have a lot of purpose hanging over them. Death was the sentence over them. And he jerked a child out of a family of death, out of an assignment of death. He jerked that child right out of a wicked lineage and planted that child right in the house of the Lord. I just have to do it. I just have to prophesy over this house because we've already released a spirit of adoption. Some of you have already grabbed hold of it. We've got adoptive parents all over this house. We've got foster parents all over this house. Let me just push on a few of you who are still praying about it or a few of you who have got, heard God and you're still wrestling fear. You don't know what Joash you're rescuing. You don't know what Moses, God is jerking out of a terrible situation and planting them in the house of the Lord to shift a nation. You don't know what God might want to do through your hands to shift the world around you. That spirit of adoption got a hold of her and she grabbed up Joash and hit him in the house with his wet nurse because at this point, Athaliah was operating under the title of mother, but not in the office of mother. We have a lot of people in the world around us who capitalize on title, but title doesn't carry much weight in the kingdom. It's the actions that you live by that determine the influence you have. Athaliah may have been the rightful grandmother, but she didn't have any influence on Joash's life. The little wet nurse that fed her and, and the auntie Jehoshaphat had all of the influence. And for six more years, until he was the age of seven, he was hidden in the temple. So why am I preaching throw mama off the train? Because I see this same picture happening in the nation around us. There is this imposter. There is this false representation of the bride of Christ in our nation. There is a false representation of the office of motherhood in our nation. It is a very loud and dominating influence that is trying to drown out the influence of the body of Christ. Athaliah represents a title and an office that really has no authority and operates in manipulation and control. And his goal, the goal of the spirit of Athaliah is to annihilate the generation to come.
And I'm here to tell you in this house, we have been called to operate in the spirit of Jehoshaphat. We have been called to look at a culture that is to trying to destroy its own seed and call them into the temple of God and raise up a Davidic generation that is called to shift the culture around them. Some of you are going to raise your own children as weapons, but many of us are going to be like Jehoshaphat, and we're going to see children in our community, children in our school system, children that don't have our last name, and they may not have our natural bloodline, but they are in desperate need of mothers and fathers who will stand in the gap for them and intervene when the culture is indoctrinating them with the spirit of Antichrist and turning them away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. I came to challenge this church today. If you've never attended this church, let me just tell you, part of our vision is to be an incubator for the next generation. It is my goal to see this house filled with sons and daughters who are operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, arrows in the quiver, and arrows in our quiver as weapons in the hand of the Lord. Because I'm here to tell you, Pharaoh was not overturned by a mighty army. What got Pharaoh nervous was when the children of Israel began to multiply and outnumber the enemy. I'm here to tell you, this is how we combat culture. I thank God for politicians. I thank God for policy and legislation. But that's not going to do it. The answer for shifting culture is found right inside your home. It is the raising up of godly seed. It is the raising up of godly sons and daughters that will not bow their knee to Baal, that are full of the fire of the Holy Spirit, that will go forth and shift the culture around them. The answer for this nation is our sons and daughters. So when Pharaoh realized that the Hebrews were having more children than the Egyptians, he got really nervous and he started killing the Hebrew children. Do you see the same assignment bleed all the way through to Athaliah? When she realized the sons and daughters were a threat, she determined to target them. And I'm here to tell you, you may think that snot-nosed, diaper-wetting child is nothing more than a nuisance on your row. But I'm here to tell you, hell is absolutely nervous about your children. Hell is scared to death of that nursery department. Hell is terrified of children's church. Hell is shaking in its boots over firebrand because hell knows that it won't be a politician that will change our nation. It will be a godly generation who is full of the fire of God that will shift America. So I'm here to tell you the spirit of Athaliah will not reign in this house. You will not find sons and daughters assassins in these pews. Speaking from this pulpit, we will not tolerate a spirit of competition in this house. Our goal is to decrease so that Jesus can increase and he can do it from generation to generation. We want to build a floor that can, a ceiling that will be our children's floor. And so if you have children, this message is for you. And if you don't, this message is for you. I don't care if you're 86 or you're 94. There are no pass cards in this house. We are all called to ensure that the gospel goes from generation to generation and that the goodness of the Lord is seen from generation to generation. And some of you don't have natural children, but the Lord's about to anoint you to have the spirit of Jehoshaphat and to stand in the gap of a child.
just targeted for assassination. We're going to throw this mama from the train. She has been in a seat of control in our nation long enough. She has sat and spoken from the pulpits of our churches long enough. She has tormented kingdom mothers with fear and discouragement long enough. And on this Mother's Day, I'm announcing that godly mothers are about to rise up and we're going to throw this mama off the train. Athaliah is not going to reign any longer. I'm not cohabitating with darkness. The church will not cohabitate with darkness. And I'm here to tell you there's an uprising happening in the kingdom. Just like we prophesied a new beginning, there was such a, a, an Athaliah spirit released on this nation. So many negative things happened during COVID. So many negative things. So many of us suffered. But I don't think there's anything I can weep more over than what it costs our sons and daughters. And the aftermath of what we are picking up. Because the assignment was not just after mom and dad. That assignment was to silence the children in this nation and to silence the next generation. But I'm here to tell you we have entered a season of new beginnings. And I'm here to tell you the enemy thought he won, but the Lord has had an answer hiding in the temple. Joash was hidden in the inner chambers of the temple. What are you saying, Pastor Devin? You are looking for the answers in the wrong places. The world around us is looking for the answers in the wrong places. And I fear the world has got the church looking for the answers in the wrong places. I'm here to tell you the answer for America is in the temple. The answer for your house is in the temple. The answer for our community is in the temple. The answer for our school system is in the temple. The answer for divorce rates is in the temple. The answer for racism is in the temple. The answer for cancer and AIDS is in the temple. Anything that our culture needs, God has hidden in the temple. And all it takes is the revelation of what's already there. <laughs> oh, I feel this in my spirit. I didn't intend to prophesy this much, but I'm going to today. There's about to be a revealing of the sons and daughters of God that have been hidden in the temple. <laughs> the book of Romans says that the earth is groaning for the revelation of the sons and daughters of God. That's you. That's me. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. God is about to pull the covers off of your life. He's about to pull the covers off the church. It's been a long, dark season, and it seems like the church has been silent, but she's really just been hidden for a moment of unveiling, a moment of revelation. And I'm here to tell you, we are in a season in this year and the years to come where there is an unveiling of the answers in the temple. You ain't, you're not meant to be hidden forever. You're not meant to be silent forever. You're not meant to be masked forever. There's about to be a sound coming from the temple. There's about to be movement coming from God's people. The greatest influencers in this nation haven't even been heard yet because they're sitting on the pew you're sitting on right now. And God is about to turn the volume up on his people because the answer is in the temple.
And I'm here to tell you, we have given way to the spirit of Athaliah long enough. She has controlled and dominated and manipulated. She has lied. She has spread her venom. And the church has tried to cohabitate with her. We've tried to form a treaty with her. We've tried to make peace with her. And on this Mother's Day, I did not come with a sermon of peace. I'm here to tell you, we will not hold hands with the spirit of Athaliah. We will not speak her agenda. This mama's got to be thrown from the train in the United States of America and her days have to be done. I remember a very personal story. Several years ago, I participated in this prayer gathering in Washington, D.C. And I had been all up in this story of Athaliah just burdened because the Lord had told me to start addressing this spirit over our nation. And I just happened to go for a drive. We were getting ready to go to the airport, and I just wanted to pray over our nation's capital one more time. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, go to the Supreme Court steps. I said, okay. I told my cab driver, pull to the bottom. I'll pay the fare. Wait on me. And I just happened that morning to do something I do quite often. I borrowed my daughter's shoes. And I was in my daughter's shoes. And because I was worried about the cab fare, I wasn't trying to be spiritual, I took off running up the Supreme Court steps in my daughter's shoes. And I ran all the way to the doors and took a deep breath and just collapsed on them for a second and began to pray in the Holy Spirit over them. And the Lord said, speak to the spirit of Athaliah. Tell her her days are numbered. And I began to speak to the spirit of Athaliah. And this is what began to come out of my mouth. I said, Joash is in the temple. Joash is in the temple. You thought you killed all the godly sons and daughters, but I come from a church where there's an incubator full of them. And I declare to you, Joash is alive and well. Joash is strong and growing in the anointing. And Joash will overthrow your reign in this nation. And I began to walk on the porch of the Supreme Court. And I began to put my hands on the pillars with anointing oil. And I said, Joash will touch the pillars of this temple and declare that your reign is done. And I finished praying and I went back to the cab and I got on a plane and I came home. And I didn't know nine months later I would take a school of students to the Supreme Court steps. And they would lay on the pillars of the Supreme Court steps and pray in the Holy Ghost. And this is what preceded the crazy story Pastor Kevin tells where the witches were there waiting on us. You want to know why the witches were there waiting on us? For nine months the devil was shaking in his boots wondering when Joash was going to show up at the pillars of the Supreme Court. Those babies prayed. They felt a Old dark wind come out of the doors and I have a picture to prove it we saw two spirits a beast and a woman sitting at the base of the Supreme Court steps looking at those students like what just happened that's too much for you on some of you on Mother's Day but I'm here to tell you your babies in your house your grandchildren in your house you have no idea what potential is within them and what weapons they are and if we'd stop telling them to be quiet and start pouring the Holy Ghost in them and allowing their voice to be heard we would see a shift in this city and we would see a shift in this nation Joash is alive there is a remnant that is alive and because they are Jesus, the answer is in the temple. So after seven years, 
Jehoiada, the priest, got the courage to unveil what had been hidden. And that's what I prophesied. There's an unveiling coming. Even in you. I need to prophesy over some people, some, especially some moms. There's some things hidden in you that are about to be unveiled. There are some things, some influence hidden in you. Some words hidden in you. Some actions hidden in you. I'm telling you, there's an anointing coming on mothers in this sanctuary. You will stand in platforms of influence. You never thought you would stand in because there's something in you that God wants to reveal. And after seven years, it was time for the unveiling. And he brought Joash out and he put him at the pillars of the temple. And this is what's so important. He called all the Levites and said, you're going to have to be the army that guards what I have hidden. The guarding of what has been hidden. It's so interesting to me that he brought in a group of people that didn't even have weaponry. Because Athaliah had taken over the kingdom of Judah. The tribe of David. The Davidic generation was what she had targeted to assassinate and there have been so many prophetic words spoken about the Davidic generation that is being released in this nation with a sword in one hand and a harp in the other, a sound of worship that is a weapon. This is the generation that Athaliah was targeting. She was actually operating in the spirit of Antichrist, trying to wipe out the lineage of Jesus Christ. And they brought in the Levites, the worshiping warriors, and Jehoiada began to give them the weapons of David that were hidden in the temple. He began to pull out the weapons of a former generation and put it in their hand. Weapons that had been stored since the death of David that were now necessary for the preservation of the next generation. I don't have time to preach this, but I was privileged to preach in Kentucky a couple weeks ago. At Rick Smith's mother's church. Now, not all of you grew up holiness, and I know Kevin talks about it. I don't talk about it as much, but my mama was the first one to wear pants in our Pentecostal church. <laughs> I actually witnessed a man jump on the top of a pew that was an inch wide and run all the way across, jump the aisle, and keep running. I got stories a mile long of my Pentecostal holiness upbringing. Saved at four, filled with the Holy Ghost at eight with about 10 prayer mamas circling me for two hours. They were not gonna let me go till I said something in tongues. My pastor's wife sang Ain't No Grave every other Sunday. I went to Kentucky with some of the students from our school and I was taken aback. I began to weep. I felt the rumblings of an old well inside my soul. I felt like the Lord had transplanted my eight-year-old self back to Inglewood Church of God on, on some revival night with Joe Sneed when I received the Holy Ghost. And the Lord said, this well will spring forth again in this nation. He said, speak to the ground of Kentucky. Speak to the ground of the Appalachian Mountains. There will be a revival of the baptism of the Holy Spirit across this nation. And you will see your sons and daughters shake under the power of the Holy Ghost. There is a springing forth of some old weapons that the church tried to put in a closet. And we saw the fruit of it even Wednesday night in this house. As we begin to lose our English and pray in the Spirit, 
Oh, so many even in the spirit-filled church would say, this is not the place. Why are you doing that? That is for your private prayer closet. But I'm here to tell you there's a rumbling of intercession coming through the church. There's an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And Wednesday night we prophesied and I prophesied again. Over the next 30 days there will be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on this house. It is the heart of the Father that every member of Redemption to the Nation's Church is filled with the weapon of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues all the way down to our youngest members in the back. The Lord is pouring out the shield and the spears of a former generation and he's equipping this house with the Holy Spirit. We release that prophetic word on Wednesday night and on Thursday I get a call from Crystal and at 1 o'clock our kids still hadn't eaten lunch. They were slain all over the school. Third graders prophesying over eighth graders. There was such a movement. I'm here to tell you I felt it in the sanctuary again today. There's a rumbling of the well of the Holy Spirit and if you need to be filled today you can be filled on this Mother's Day and if that gift is dormant in your spirit I just say what Paul said. Stir up the gift. We're going to lay our hands on you and stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost in this house because Joash is alive and well. And this is what's awesome as I'm trying to wind this up. I like that laugh. (laughs) Y'all should know by now. Jehoiada said, hey, priests, hey, Levites, we are about to enter into a time of unveiling. It's going to be awesome, and it's going to be intense at the same time. I came to make the same announcement to redemption to the nation's church and to the bride of Christ in this nation. We are about to enter into a time of unveiling, and it's going to be awesome, and it's going to be intense all at the same time. And he looked at the Levites, and he said, hey, those of you that were supposed to work today, you got to stay. And I'm so sorry, those of you that have off on the Sabbath, you got to work today too. What are you saying, Pastor Devin? He said, there ain't no off season right now. We're a season of unveiling and I need all hands on deck and I know you want to go home and take your off day but I'm here to tell you right now it's not an off day in the kingdom and I came to speak to your weary complacent spirit and I came to remind you we are in a time of unveiling and we are in a time of awakening and there's no Levites that can take an off season don't you feel that we get comfortable We get complacent. We get in a mode called Christianity and we shift our house into the neutral gear. And we just want to ride. But I'm here to tell you the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violence take it by force. And we're in a season where there's about to be an open heaven for the taking. Where we can take back our sons and daughters. We can take back the glory in this nation. And I came to prophesy to this house there is no off season in what's about to happen. It's going to be intense, and it's going to be awesome. And this is where I'm going to end. 2 Chronicles 23, 12 says this. Wow. This is so incredible. Athaliah had reigned for a long time. She was scary. She killed anything in her sight. And Jehoiada was even afraid of her. It took great courage for him to do this unveiling. But on the day of the unveiling, 
they did not have to fire a cannon or swing a spear until they actually assassinated her. They did not assemble an army and surround the city or surround her house. Jehu, who killed Jezebel, didn't show up to do the same thing to Athaliah. They just did one simple act. They took what was hidden and they brought Joash out and stood him in his rightful place. And when they stood him in his rightful place, a sound erupted from the temple. And Athaliah shows up and sees Joash in his rightful place. Oh, this is good. Sees Joash in his rightful place, and it's game over. For years, I have pondered over this. You may not interact with Scripture this way, but I'm like, Father, that's an awesome victory, but I still don't get it. She just rolled over and died. She just gave up. Like, I can't believe she didn't try to kill him. She had already killed all of his brothers and sisters. She did nothing but start doing like the wicked witch on, on the Wizard of Oz. Ah! She just started screaming. I said, Lord, I have asked him that question. Why did it end so quickly? I mean, all he did was stay by the temple. And early this morning when I was getting ready, the Holy Spirit finally gave me an answer. He said, Devin, you can't argue with the blood. Joash had something Athaliah didn't. He had the bloodline of royalty. His life and breath and bloodline testified against the illegal, illegitimate authority of Athaliah. When she saw he was alive and she knew the blood running through his veins, she knew her days were numbered. And I came to prophesy to Athaliah in this nation that wicked, illegitimate authority, you cannot argue with the blood and you cannot argue with the blood-bought church of Jesus Christ. We have been given legitimate authority in this nation and our presence testifies of the blood. So the next time the enemy wants to come against your house, you just remind him he cannot argue with the blood. The next time the enemy wants to take your child, you just remind him you cannot argue with the blood. The next time the enemy wants to put a rift in your marriage, you remind him the blood of Jesus testifies. And Joash's bloodline silenced Athaliah. And I love spiritual warfare. I'll cast out devils. But I'm here to tell you it ain't even going to take all that. The victory is done. It was done 2,000 years ago on a cross by the blood of Jesus Christ. You hear me? Your defeat is illegitimate. Your defeat is illegitimate. You have been made more than a conqueror by the blood of Jesus. Quit buying the report of the enemy. You have been washed in the blood, and you are more than an overcomer. And you have been given victory by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Don't you walk around in defeat. You have the blood of Jesus flowing through your veins. All you got to do is present yourself and hell must flee at the name of Jesus. And so they put Joash by the, the pillar of the temple. And 2 Chronicles 23 says this, verse 12. That a noise came from the temple. 
a roar came from the temple. And when Athaliah heard that roar, she came running. They were actually clapping and declaring, long live the king. And they poured out, pulled out the instruments and they began to worship and rejoice because victory had been won. And Athaliah heard the noise. And the noise is what shifted the circumstance. Nobody made an announcement to her. Nobody sent her an invitation. All that happened is when a revealing happened in the temple, a noise followed. When a revealing happened from the temple, the noise of the temple followed. And the noise of the temple shifted the circumstance. And this is what I'm going to prophesy it's time for the daughters of God and the bride of Christ to make some noise. I preached on Friday night, it's not enough just to make a noise. You actually have to make a sound of significance. There's a whole lot of noise happening in our nation right now. There's a whole lot of noise happening in our school system right now. A whole lot of noise happening in our homes right now. But it's not noise that will move heaven. There's a sound that moves heaven. And it wasn't just a bunch of noise coming out of the temple. It was a sound of victory. And I came to release a sound from this house today, not just a noise, but a sound that will shift heaven. How do I know there's a difference between a sound and a noise? Because on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, he made a sound, not just a noise. On the day of Pentecost, he came like a sound from heaven. And one of my favorite kingdom mothers is Hannah. And I was just reflecting on her and how terrible a, a place the nation was in when Hannah decided to go to the temple and pray. And this little mother got on her knees and began to pour her heart out before the father and pray for a child, not knowing that her prayers would not only shift her life, but they would shift a nation. And it says this, Hannah opened her mouth and she began to travail, but she did not make a noise. In other words, her mouth was moving, but nothing was coming out. And it was so significant that the priest Eli thought she was drunk. But what he did not know is that she wasn't making a noise. She was making a sound. Her travail was not for the ears of men. It was for the ears of heaven. And something she prayed in that moment was quiet in the natural, but it was loud in the courts of heaven. It was so loud that Eli turned and prophesied over to her that what she had prayed had been answered. And that sound birthed a child that shifted a nation. I came to speak to this church and declare there's a sound coming from this temple. It's the sound of the spirit. And when we take off our muzzle of silence and we start letting the Holy Spirit pray through us, it may not move the hearts of men, but it will move the courts of heaven. And I came to release a sound from my mamas in the room. There are no greater intercessors than a mother. You've not travailed till you've travailed with a mother. You've not persevered till you persevered with a mother. And I came to talk to some moms who feel insignificant in your culture right now. And I'm here to tell you there's a sound in your belly and it's the sound of the Holy Spirit. And if you will just release that sound.
heaven will shift. Right now, if you'll stand with me all over this house and lift your hands. It's Mother's Day. Everybody's got plans. You go whenever you need to go. But I'm here to tell you what threw that mama off the train was the roar within the temple. And on this Mother's Day, I saw one assignment to release a sound out of you, to pull a sound out of you, to pull a sound out of this house. And this is how it's about to go and we're gonna be done. You can think it's any other Sunday if you want to, but I believe it's a Kairos moment for the release of the Holy Ghost from the mouth of the bride. I'm here to tell you it's a season of unveiling in the kingdom. And we're gonna see a shift in our children and in our homes. There's some mamas in here. You're like the little woman who has a lost coin in the house. Your baby's in church and they're lost in their heart. You know what's gonna shift that? Your sound. There are some of you, your house is in disarray and chaos. You feel like it's falling apart. I love counseling and you probably need some, but let me tell you what's gonna shift that. Your sound. Some of you, your finances are unraveling. Your business is falling apart. You don't know where to turn and what to do. You know what the Lord told me to tell you today? You know what's going to shift that? A sound. Not a noise of fear. Not a noise of faithlessness. Not a noise of complaint and despair. But a sound of the Holy Spirit. Some of you can make a sound in English. And some of you are going to make a sound in the Spirit. And I'm here to tell you it's about time some of you make a sound in the spirit because your English prayers aren't cutting it because you haven't even wrapped your mind around what God wants to do. And the Holy Spirit is begging to pray the mysteries of God over your circumstance. And some of you are going to surrender today and say, Holy Ghost, you're going to pray now. But not everybody might need a shift in this room, but we all need a shift in this nation. So whether you begin to release a sound over a personal need or you just join with me as we release a sound over this nation, I believe a shift can happen by a sound right now. So every hand lifted, I just want to begin praying. And I want you to open your mouth and give the Holy Ghost just 10 minutes on this Mother's Day to pray like a crazy group of mothers in this room. In fact... I'm just going to do it. I'm going to ask the moms to start us out. You can stay at your seat. You can come up to this altar. You can get up in the aisleways. I need some moms who are not afraid to make a sound for their sons and daughters, for their families right now. I need some moms who have some lost coins, and this morning you're ready to make a sound. I need some moms who need healing in their body, healing for their children, healing in their house, and you're not afraid to make a sound. Why don't you just throw those hands up and just listen? Lift your voice and begin to cry out to heaven. Father, let there be a sound from this temple today. I declare it's a sound of breakthrough. It's a sound of breakthrough. It's a sound of deliverance. It's a sound. 
Friend, I believe God is speaking to hearts right now. This message, I pray, has stirred you, and there are some who are watching this message who are waiting on the opportunity to give their heart to Jesus Christ. Listen, the greatest day in your life is the day that you give your heart to Jesus Christ and allow him to become the Lord of your life. And if you want that opportunity, then right now I wanna pray with you. You know, the Bible says in the book of Acts that God commands men and women everywhere to repent, to turn from their sin and to turn to the living God. And the message of hope today for you is that no matter how messed up you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how far away from God you feel, he is only one prayer away. Would you turn your heart toward him right now? Just say, dear God, save me, forgive me, cleanse me of my sin and make me new. I, I confess you as my Lord and Savior, Jesus, and I'm asking you to be the king of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer, let us know today. We wanna make sure you have a Bible. We wanna make sure you know that as a local church here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, someone is praying for you. We hope to see you soon if you're in the Chattanooga area. And if not, get in a Bible-believing church somewhere and grow in your purpose in Christ. We love you. We're praying for you today. God bless you.